Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. Today is Friday, so we typically do our in-depth CEO interviews on this day. And today I am welcomed by Paul Westsells of Western Copper and Gold. Western Copper is traded on the TSX and NYSE American with the symbol WRN. Paul, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. So for people who may be listening in who are unfamiliar with Western Copper and Gold and all the the successes you guys have had with the project over the last, you know, almost 10 years now or more, uh, give us a brief rundown of, of the project. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, just just put everyone in, into the right frame. I mean, Western Copper and Gold is developing one asset. This is our, our Casino Copper Gold project located up in the Yukon. Um, the Casino project is a large copper gold project um, looking over overall categories of uh, 18 million ounces of gold and 10 billion pounds of copper, about half of that uh, being in the reserve. Um, we've been developing it for 12 years. When we got it, it was a few drill holes, um, and really we've added uh, value by at the drill bit by expanding that resource and, and defining the deposit, um, and also on the engineering side. And we've done a lot of engineering. We've done two pre-feasibility studies and a full feasibility study, and we're also about halfway through permitting at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So um, significantly, uh, you know, de-risked at this point in time um, and just, you know, a great asset in a great location up in the Yukon. Yeah. So let's talk real quick about uh, your location of the project. Mm-hmm. You're, it's not really sandwiched in there, but you are in kind of this uh, uh, kind of angled area between Gold Corp's coffee project and then the big land packages of white gold. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, your project, uh, uh, the casino project, is rather a small blimp, <laughs> uh, you know, blimp if you look at the map. Uh, yeah. But but why is uh, having a smaller land package within that bigger area, how is that an advantage for you guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it... it the advantage, I would say, isn't isn't the size of the land package. It's the fact that we've got um, that we have the strategic location literally between uh, Gold Corp's coffee project and and the white gold package. Um, and you know, to put this into perspective, I mean, we actually border the coffee project on our west, and we border the the white gold. Um, package on on our east so i mean we we care we carry a a border with with those packages but you look at that district and it's turning into a district mm-hmm. um you've got the coffee project you've got our large copper gold project you've got white gold which has had a number of, of good discoveries here and you start to imagine what that is going to look like uh when <clears throat> it's developed and the mines are up and running and, you know, you're going to have, you know, a, a comparably small little heap leach at the coffee project. It looks like white gold is going to be some heap leachable material as well. Great little projects. And then in the middle of that, you have our project, which is a large um, copper gold concentrator and heap leach project um, that brings in, you know, carries the infrastructure cha- um, costs mm-hmm. for that region being a good two-lane year-round road, a you know good-sized power plant that could potentially power all of those areas. So when you look at that as a district, and it's been interesting, some of the people that we've talked to that sort of take a look at this, they say, boy, that's going to be an interesting district. 
you guys are going to have the biggest thing in that district and, you know, arguably sort of make a lot of the decisions about how that moves forward. Well, you did mention, kind of hit on the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, Can you give us an update? Uh, It sounds like there is a a, a road there, but it needs to be expanded and and Mm -hmm. kind of more available year-round type of work. Can you fill us in on what's going on with that? Yeah. So, I mean... About a year ago, um, it was September 2017, great announcement. Uh, we actually had the Prime Minister of Canada actually came up to the to Whitehorse to make an uh, announcement, the only mining announcement he's made in, per, in person since he's been Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure, three roads in the Yukon, one of those roads is right to the, to the casino mine. Um, and so if you look at that road, I mean, that is... is the road that that funding, the government funding sets up, is a year-round road, no major bridges, uh, good, you know, 80 kilometer an hour two-lane two-lane road, and the government is committed to building the first half of that road 100% funded. That they've, uh, you know, they've said they're going to be breaking ground on that next year, mm-hmm. and that goes forward regardless of of the status of anyone's projects. Uh, and then the second section of that road uh, will be 30% funded by the government. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, we carry that road in. Uh, if you look at what Gold Corp's doing at Coffee, they're actually using a different road. It's a little bit more complicated. Uh, they've, they've got, uh, you know, they're barging in the summer and, and uh, using ice roads in the winter. Um, it, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be a bit finicky. Mm-hmm. You know, we bring in a year-round two-lane road makes it a lot more accessible and sort of changes the cost structure of, of a lot of the projects up there and, and makes them more economic. What about energy? You mm-hmm. did mention quickly a natural yep. gas uh, plant, the potential to mm-hmm. get some energy to the project, but it, you know, you and I had talked before about potential of actually all companies in that district maybe yeah. utilizing something similar. So, you know, how, how would that work out and who would be maybe responsible for getting something like that built up? Yeah, I mean, so if you look at power, I mean, we need to bring, you know, I tell people, uh, you know, we're looking at what power we can bring on a truck because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's uh, you know, we, we've got very good highways in the Yukon, uh, very good infrastructure on those highways. And then, of course, with the addition of this new road, very good road access, but there isn't a really well-developed grid. Mm-hmm. So... What we've done in terms of power is we're looking at powering the casino mine using natural gas and bringing in that natural gas by truck as liquefied natural gas. And that, you know, that is becoming really the way that the north is powered in in Canada. Um, You've got the city of Whitehorse two years ago built a gas-fired power plant sourcing the natural gas is trucked in liquefied natural gas. They just announced a couple of weeks ago that they're looking to expand that plant. Mm-hmm. Silver tip mine, natural gas trucked in LNG. That's our plan. Um, you look at the coffee project, Gold Corp's application in front of the regulator. That's one of the options they're looking at there as well. So um, it's the way to power the north. Uh, it's what we're going with. Of course, since we have a large project, we're going to have a large, efficient gas-fired power plant that will be producing energy uh, much more cost-effectively than, than a smaller power plant. And, you know, again, could potentially change the economics of some of these projects up there mm-hmm. and, and make them fly. Okay. I do want to ask you a little bit, uh, just basically 
on the name of the company, Western Copper and Gold, and you and I have chatted about this previously, is how do you leverage both the gold play and the copper play? And what are some challenges uh, in being, have you know, good amounts of reserves in both those categories? Um, how do you leverage that? But then what are the challenges as well? Sure. You know, the leverage, um, this is a big project. I mean, the, the, the capital cost is, is close to $2.5 billion. So, you know, as a junior mining company, um, this has always been too big of a, a project for us to, to go on alone. Mm-hmm. So we've always sort of been very clear that we would partner uh, with someone to, to bring this forward. So the advantage of having the copper and the gold um, is that, you know, in terms of people that we could potentially partner with, uh, we obviously have the large copper companies which are interested. It's a good-sized copper resource. Um, but we also have the large gold companies, and actually I'd argue the mid-tier gold and copper companies as well that come in. So sure. in terms of, you know, the people that we're talking to about potentially partnering, having both the copper and gold is a great, great asset. Um you know, back to the the challenges with with, with having both um, is that it's you know it's sort of it's a big it's a mid sized copper mine and a mid sized gold mine combined together as a big copper and gold right. mine. So that can be sort of the challenge. I mean, if it was all copper, I think uh, it would be a more attractive. If it was all gold, it'd be more attractive um, to those specific sectors. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that's the disadvantage. The advantage is, is we get to sort of put our toe into both sectors, the, yeah. both the copper and gold sectors. So what are the expectations of your shareholders? Mm-hmm. Like, do, you, do most of your shareholders appreciate the bilateral exposure? Yeah. Uh, or you know, are there people who would rather see it as a pure gold player rather than a copper player, vice versa? Yeah. Um, you, know, what, what's, you know, what's some of the dialogue you have with your major shareholders around that aspect? Yeah, I mean, I th- it's... You know, I would say, be you know, the nature of, of the deposit being a copper gold deposit. We we have shareholders that are are copper shareholders, and we have shareholders that are gold gold shareholders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's, and you know, I'll, I'll walk in and they'll say, well, you know, all I want to talk about is the fact that you have eighteen million ounces of gold. I mean, that that's what you should be emphasizing. And and others are like, oh, but. You know, this is a great copper asset, and if you look at the future of copper, it, it, it looks very, very promising. So mm-hmm. um, it's really, I would say, very investor-dependent upon what that looks like. Um, you know, what, what I look, what, you know, when I'm talking to potential shareholders, I mean, I emphasize the copper, but I also, the thing that I like about the gold, and, and I can tell you from talking to a number of gold companies, you know, you look at something like Casino with 18 million ounces of gold, but you still have half your revenue on this project coming from copper. And right. every gold company, mid-tier and major, likes to have a little bit of copper hidden away. I mean, their right. shareholders sometimes aren't big fans of that, but they like to have a little bit of sure. copper hidden away to sort of pay the bills when, when the price of gold... Because the price of gold is much more volatile than, than the price of copper, right. historically. And uh, you had explained to me kind of how each commodity has influenced your all-in sustaining costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for maybe people who haven't picked up the corporate presentation, taking kind of taking a look at that slide, how do you how do you kind of calculate those costs based on each 
on each price of the commodity right now. Yeah. Where are you at there? Because it sounds like you're actually making money on both. <laughs> of them. And making money on both of them. Yeah. Well, and and it's you know the the typical way that copper and gold companies uh, report their cash costs is as net of byproducts, and because the the casino project is sort of half copper, half gold. Um, if I report my cash cost to produce an ounce of gold net of byproducts, it ends up being negative $1,200 an ounce. Mm-hmm. If I report my cash cost net of byproducts to produce a pound of copper, it ends up being minus 90 cents per pound of copper. Um, which, you know, sounds good, but obviously it's sort of, okay, uh, how do I get a handle on what, what the costs are here? So. Yeah. There, there's another term called called co-product cash costs, and and you know a number of companies use it. I think it's a more fair way to look at things, but even with that, which is you know a very uh, transparent metric that can be used uh, at casino, we're looking at a dollar forty per pound of copper and six hundred and thirty dollars per ounce of gold. So, you know, essentially around half of where those commodities are trading right now okay. in terms of okay. cash cost. Okay. Um, as far as the project goes, so it's it's late advanced stage development. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, you're yeah. about halfway through permitting, through permitting um, yeah. which, you know, I would say on the fast track, maybe it takes you two, three, four years. Am I about right if, if things move yeah, smoothly? Right, yeah, we'd say three. Yeah, it's three years. Um, what, I guess, you know, what are some of your critics saying as far as what this team needs to actually build the mine and get it in? get it producing like are people expecting you to find a joint venture to get this thing going uh, it sounds like that's what you expect as well mm-hmm. from your team mm-hmm. do you feel like your team can move it forward without that jv or you know where are we at with that yeah yeah i mean we i mean we're we're sort of uh at, at this point uh of the permitting process i mean the, the next step of the permitting is is an absolute finalization of the design three years of permitting and then you know then you start turning over dirt and moving forward so we think that this is a good time to to look to bring in a partner to help define what the project looks like before we sort of spend that three years of permitting okay. so part part of it this being a good time is it's a good time in in the progression of the, of the project and the other reason is that uh it's a good time just in terms of M&A in the copper and gold space. Um, you know, the gold space, M&A sort of is fairly constant. Uh, in the copper space, really, uh, until this year, there was almost no M&A. Now you're starting to see, you know, a few deals sort of come through. You know, you saw, you know, Nevsun, well, Lundin take a bid for Nevsun, eventually that went to Zijin. Um, you know, you saw Glor Creek get picked up by Newmont. Um, you know, there's some smaller deals. You saw Mason Resources get bought by Hud Bay. I mean, this is sort of an unprecedented year in yeah. terms of M&A for copper projects. So, and that's been our experience. Yeah. I mean, we the interest from the copper space in casino, the discussions that we've had on on that side this year have you know I've had way more conversations this year than I've had in the previous five years. Mm. To put that into perspective. Right. Right. So, you know. That picks up. It's a good time to sort of look to do that. So that's really sort of where you know one of the focuses of the company is right now. Yeah. So ideally, what would that JV look like? like if, if you could say this is really what we're looking for in a JV financially, yeah. What would be what would be the the best case scenario for Western Copper and Gold? 
Well, you know, and, and that's a difficult one for me to answer because talking to various groups, uh, some of them <clears throat> look at this and say, look, you know, we're, we're, we're a big copper and gold company. We're just going to buy this outright and, and mm-hmm. you know, thank you for progressing at this point. But, you know, it's a relatively cheap package for us to buy the whole thing. Um, so that's that's an avenue and, you know, we'll look at that and see if that's a good value for our shareholders and, and, and make a decision on that. Um, if the alternative to that is, is some more of a JV, so it, it can be project level or company level investment and, you know, where you know we will evaluate those on on uh, a one-off sort of basis, and it really sort of is, you know, you talk with with these groups, and you sort of come to see what works for your shareholders and what works for their shareholders, and yeah. and go from there. Yeah, it, I guess now that's a really yeah. timely question because we're yeah. seeing the entire junior market just really beat down to. Mm-hmm. 52 week if not you know yeah. 104 week lows yes. in a lot of places yeah. and you know obviously that's that's a good deal for a lot of these bigger companies that need to expand their resources and acquire more projects right but that doesn't necessarily translate into best you know best case for the retail market right who've yeah. been very patient has seen their seen their investment drop so mm-hmm. as the CEO of the company how do you how do you manage that yeah well, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not defined as a retail investor, but I, I have a fairly good shareholding in the company and uh, picked up a lot of that in the open market myself mm-hmm. um, as, you know, similarly with our executive chairman. So, um, you know, we're not looking to do uh, a deal just for the sake of doing a deal. And, um, you know, I think that... Um, you know, we were looking earlier at, at the sector and the sector, including senior producers and everywhere, everything below that have been beaten up this year in, in both the copper and gold space. And so um, I, I think that, you know, for us to structure a deal really at our current share price, we'd have to see a pretty good sort of premium. And, and you know, a point of Mason Resources, I mean, that was a I think 115% premium on that deal. Right. So, um, you know, and would I take that? Well, you know, we'd have to look at the deal. We'd have to look at, you know, is it cash, is it shares, and all those sort of things. Um, You know, and if everyone's beaten up and we can see an upside, then then maybe there's something there. But, um, you know, otherwise, you know, we, I think we might have to look to 2019. and, And I think that what you've seen particularly in the copper space over the past six months is just a massive overreaction um, in, in the space. And, and, you know, the price of copper has come off a bit, but, it, I mean, it's sort of, you know, it's still holding at sort of 270 to 280. And I think that once people, you know, we're continuing to see lower stockpiles, we're continuing to see a squeeze in the copper supply story. So as that begins to continue to materialize next year and the copper price goes up, you're going to start to see these names go up and we'll be going up with it as well. Uh, in the last couple of months, you yeah. guys have put out some news releases with some su- good successes as yeah. far as uh, tailings management work. Mm-hmm. Um, can kind of explain what that was all about and, and why that was so important to the project and then what other catalyst will the company kind of expect in this kind of, transition period into right. permitting and, and continued advancement. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that, I mean, so we, we issued, a, you know, news release talking about um, the completion of the best available tailings technology study. And, mm-hmm. and, and so what this was, was, uh, you know, 18-month um, study that looked at uh, how to dispose of uh, tailings and store uh, tailings and mine waste. But rather than just having our group of engineers go off in a corner and, and figure that out, we really took this big tent approach where we brought in the First Nations, the, the territorial government, um, regulators, um, all that. So you, you make this a big, big tent. It takes a lot longer to come to these sort of decisions. But, you know, at this point, you know, we're, we're very happy that we have a solution for that, that, that you know, has had this input from this broader group and, and you know, understanding from, from that group. And... If you look at our project and if you were to go up into the community and you were to wander around the Yukon and talk to people and say, what is your issue with the casino project? They would say, well, well I'm worried about the tailings dam. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, common for large projects like this. So, you know, taking the time to do it right, taking the time to use that big tent approach, bringing everybody in, making sure everybody understood having a chance to, to test different ideas. And, and what, we, what we got out of that was different than what we put into that. I mean, okay. there's a lot of changes in terms of what the final design is going to look like and how things are going to be operated. And it was a result of all that input from, you know, really this broad Yukon community that's enabled us to sort of put together this, this tailings um, uh, disposal um, process that, you know, uh, we think is going to be have that community buy-in and, and assuage those fears. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And what other catalysts can we expect maybe, you know, first quarter, second quarter of 2019? Is there anything coming down the pipeline that will be, you know, positive for the, the continued development of Casino? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, I mean, obviously the biggest development is really going to be bringing in the joint venture partner. Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be sort of the transformative sort of next step really for the company and, and that's going to be really the focus of, of what we of what we do um, and and that's going to be the big catalyst I mean there's going to be some you know we're, we're picking at some some smart things on the permitting you know that, that will come out here as we move forward but you know really um, you know pushing on that joint venture partner is is uh, I think going to be the key yeah yeah and kind of about that you know the last six months I've I've never seen so many companies put out really big news and still take a hit in their stock price right. in the same day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's kind of actually terrifying for a lot of companies because they know they need to do a lot of these things, but they know, they don't know what the repercussions will be if it's still be positive or negative. Yes. So, you know, are you, do you feel encouraged that if you did bring in a big JV and announce that, that, you know, would, would retailers and inv- institutional investors kind of, see a spike up in your share price or are you just kind of thinking we need to do this anyways it doesn't matter um you know it's a little bit of both um you know i'd never say that you know we do things uh and you know what the share price does what it does i mean um i think that that's uh you know like i said as a shareholder myself I, i you know you try try to do things that deliver returns for the shareholders um but the um I think that when when you're seeing 
people get punished? Uh, I mean, because you, you've seen a, a loss of liquidity in the mining market. Mm-hmm. So you see people issuing, uh, you know, engineering studies and, uh, you know, drill results that are fine but not spectacular, and that creates a liquidity event and everybody sells yeah. into it and you see, you see share prices go down. I think when you see things that transform companies, major investment from major mining companies, uh, spectacular drill results, uh, things that sort of maybe exceed expectations, then you see share prices go up. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I think what you've seen is things that historically would have been, you know, maybe a slight positive to share prices now become a liquidity event and drive share prices right. down. So you've been buying shares of Western? You know, we did a little small financing at the beginning of the year, and I participated in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm. But you know, I, I'm I'm a stingy investor. I buy low and and mm-hmm. and sell high, right? So, yeah. um, but I bought those shares quite a bit higher than where they are right sure. now. Sure, it sounds like there's a number of insti- big institutional investors in the project. Can you share a couple of them? Like maybe your top three or five. Uh, in the company? Uh, you know, there's there's. Uh, there's we've got a fairly good following in Europe, and so there there's a couple of it's really the European sort of um, hedge funds that, that really have, have are, are big institutional investors. Okay. Um, most of our investors, uh, really the the core group of our investors is a group. There's about a half dozen of them of high net worth individuals um, that have made a lot of money off of Dale. Um, if you go back and, and look at the, the history of Western copper and gold before we were... Dale Corman. Dale Corman, yeah. The um, uh, history of Western copper and gold is that we used to be Western silver. Western silver, they took that thing from a penny stock up to selling it to Glamis for $1.6 billion. Mm-hmm. A lot of people made a lot of money um, you know, following Dale. And you know, if you were to ask Dale what he's trying to do with Western um, copper and gold... He'd say he's just trying to do the same thing, and but you know he actually thinks the casino is a better asset than what he had with Penasquito. Okay, okay. Uh, so I only have one last question for you. Sure. And it's usually the hardest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the biggest challenges you're faced here as you we move into the new year? You know, I think I think the challenge that that we have, um, I, th- it you know, is pretty common or, or not common, but. You know, is, is sort of widespread right now. I mean, you know, we we look to next year. Uh, we have enough money to do what what we want to do, but you're starting to see, you know, equity uh, is is drying up mm-hmm. in in the sector right now. So it's it's getting more and more challenging. Um, so I think that's that's going to be you know we're we're fine for a good year. Um, uh, well, actually, a year or two, but uh, that that is something that that worries me. Um, you know, a little bit. Um, you're thinking long term. You're thinking long term. Yeah. That's a rarity. You know? It's a rarity. <laughs> um, and well, you know, and and I've been with the company for 12 years, so I've I've lived through you know that sort of 2000, I guess maybe 2012 to 2016. You know, that was four years of some very challenging times, yeah. and yeah. now and we did very well in that we raised no equity during that period. And what we did is we issued, you know, we sold a royalty and brought in $32 million. And so we were, enab- we, uh, were able to advance our project, um, you know, without being dilutive to our shareholders. Sure. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm very proud of and uh, with this company is that, you know, we've kept our share pr- 
count low. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very, you know, we haven't raised equity at, at low prices and, you know, I don't think we will moving forward. So, but, you know, that, that's a challenge in, in the industry always. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly is, is looking at the way things look right now will be a challenge, I think, for a few, you know, another six months at least. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you brought up a good point because there there still are a number of executives and management out there that have been through multiple cycles of this mm-hmm. and have maintained to keep their businesses afloat yes. during this time. So I think that's, you know, kudos to you. I think that's really good leverage because not a whole lot of people can say that. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, it's keeping it afloat, but it's keeping it afloat without tripling your share count. Sure. You know, I mean, I like to tell people, look, one thing I can say, and you look at our track record, you buy, you know, a share of Western Copper and Gold, you're getting a share of this casino asset. And my goal and my job is to make sure that regardless of what the market does and regardless of what our share price does, that share of our project isn't diluted in any significant way as we move it forward. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's uh, Paul Westsells uh, with Western Copper and Gold. Western Copper and Gold is traded on the TSX and NYSE American with the symbol WRN. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein.